0: The preaching text (coughs) is from Matthew 21, 1 through 17. (coughs) When they had come near Jerusalem and reached Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble, and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, "'Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven!' When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, "'Who is this?' The crowds were saying, "'This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee.' Then Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who were selling and buying in the temple and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he cured them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the amazing things that he did and heard the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they became angry and said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read? Out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise for yourself. He left them, went out of the city to Bethany, and spent the night there. The word of the Lord.
1: Please pray with me. Lord Jesus Christ, you are Lord. Help us to recognize you when you come and to respond with praises as the crowds did on that first Palm Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So, uh, as you know, uh, for the last few months, we have been making our way through the Gospel of Matthew, and we have been doing that in order. So we've been going through Matthew's Gospel in order in the way that Matthew tells the story of Jesus until today. Today, we are going backwards in time a bit. So for the last three weeks, we've been hearing uh, these various stories that Jesus has been telling in and around Jerusalem. So last week, we heard about this last judgment, the sheep and the goats. Uh, the week before that, we heard about this parable of bridesmaids. Uh, ten of them, five were foolish, five were wise, five were uh, not ready when the bridegroom came, five were ready— Uh, And before that uh, was a story of a wedding banquet, a king who throws this wedding banquet for his son and none of the invited guests come. So he has his servants gather everyone in off the street. Well, those stories all happened after our reading for today, but of course, today is Palm Sunday, so we couldn't really be reading the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem ahead of Palm Sunday, so we're jumping backwards in time just a little bit uh, today, just so uh, you have an idea of where we're at. And Matthew, when he tells this story, all of the gospel writers, they have their own way of telling the story of Jesus. And a story like this one, which all four gospel writers tell, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, tell of, John, of Jesus rather coming into Jerusalem, uh, they all have their own uh, unique spin on the story. And Matthew tells his story especially to show that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is king. Jesus is the one who is in charge. And he tells it this way right from the very beginning of this story. So they come up to this village, right, Bethphage, and uh, Jesus sends his two disciples in uh, to go and you'll notice in Matthew, uh, Matthew's the only one who tells this particular detail, it's not just a donkey, it's a donkey and her colt. There's actually two animals uh, that are being uh, brought in here. And whether there were actually two animals, the other gospel writers only talk about one, or whether Matthew is doubling it, Matthew does this with stories, he tends to, uh, instead of there just being two demoniacs, two demon-possessed men, for example, who the demons get driven into pigs, Uh, Matthew, or instead of being one, Matthew has two in his telling of the story. Matthew has this way of doubling, and I'm not sure exactly what his idea is, but it's this way of Jesus being the fullness. Uh, when he comes, even more so than Mark or Luke when they tell the same story. But anyway, so they go to get these animals, and uh, he sends his disciples, and he says, now if someone says to you, you know, why are you untying these animals and bringing them out to me, which you can imagine would be a a, a reasonable question to ask. These two men just come in and start uh, taking this donkey out. Uh, He says, tell them the Lord has need of it, or the Lord has need of them. Now, that might seem like a strange thing to say, because, of course, the person who's most likely to ask, what are you doing untying these donkeys, would be the master, the owner, the Lord of this donkey and her colt. And yet the disciples are to say to Jesus or to this man, the Lord, that is Jesus, has need of them. Their Lord has need of them. So what kind of a Lord is Jesus? Well, first, he's the Lord of the donkey, Lord of the donkey and her colt. Now, this donkey doesn't really have uh, the same idea or the same symbols attached to it in our culture today as it did uh, in those days. Uh, we kind of think of donkeys, or at least I do, as sort of a silly animal, right? You don't really want to be a, a donkey. There's some other names for donkey that I won't say here, uh, but you that's not a, a, it's not a good thing. Well, in those days, donkeys were your normal transportation animal. So if you wanted to ride something somewhere, you'd ride a donkey. You wouldn't usually ride a horse. Horses weren't used for transportation at that time. They weren't even used for agriculture. Horses were war horses. Horses were, uh, were used in times of battle and war. But for your everyday uh, transportation, even if you were royalty, you would use a donkey. Donkeys were the animals that were used. And so when Jesus uh, comes and he decides he wants to ride into Jerusalem, this is a little bit unusual because Jesus has been walking his entire ministry until now. As far as we know, there is no time uh, when we're told about Jesus riding anywhere. Uh, even beforehand in the Christmas story, remember you think of Mary and Joseph coming down to Bethlehem and we always picture a donkey. There's not even a donkey in that story. There's no riding anywhere uh, up until this point. Jesus is deciding to make a statement here. And so he decides to ride in, which is not uh, the usual uh, way that the crowds are coming in. Not everybody's riding into Jerusalem, most people are walking. Uh, But he decides to ride on a donkey. He rides not on a horse, not on an instrument of war, but on a donkey on your normal peaceful transportation there's a story in the old testament in fact when solomon who was king david's son is anointed as king and there's some conflict about who is going to be david's successor which of david's many sons is actually going to be the king and david steps in in his old age and decides solomon is the one who will be king and to do this they sit him on david's mule on david's donkey or related to a donkey and he uh, is ridden through jerusalem he is anointed as king and this is the way that solomon's kingship is established and here jesus is doing something very similar on his way into jerusalem this makes some people uh, nervous as we see Uh, We heard it in the children's story. I like the way that they brought that out. Uh, This could get us into trouble with the Romans. Of course, the Romans are the occupying force. Who's the Lord uh, coming into Jerusalem? Well, it ought to be Caesar, it seems. But Jesus comes in and he goes straight to the temple. And when he gets to the temple, he does something else that is going to offend some folks. He drives out these money changers, these sellers of uh, animals in the temple. Now, we often think these must have been some pretty bad people coming into a place of worship and trying to make a quick buck. Uh, But really, they were actually there to serve the sacrificial system. I mean, think about it. If you needed to travel 50 miles to go and make your uh, sacrifice uh, in the temple in Jerusalem, let's say you lived up in the north in Galilee where Jesus was from, Uh, and uh, you had to make your way all the way down to Jerusalem, you don't really want to bring your sacrificial animal with you if you can avoid it. So what would happen is people would sell their animal up where they were and they would take the money with them and when they got to the temple, they would buy an animal there to offer as a sacrifice. So for example, uh, two doves. doves is a, is a common uh, sacrifice for many purposes under the Old Testament law. They would uh, bring the money for the doves, go into the temple, exchange their roman currency which had uh, the uh, uh caesar's face on it so you couldn't use it in the temple exchange that currency for the temple currency which was okay to be used uh that's why those money changers were there and then they would use that to buy the doves that they could then give to the priest and offer for their sacrifice so when jesus comes into the temple he shows that he's yet another kind of a lord so he's a lord of a donkey he's also lord of the temple because he drives out these uh, merchants, these money lenders who were serving the uh, institution of the temple, who were serving the sacrificial system of the temple. And what does he do? He sits and the blind and the lame come into the temple to be healed by him. Now, if you know much about the way the temple was set up, uh, the temple was very restricted about who could go where. So there was an outer courtyard where only uh, uh, Gentiles could go no further. If you weren't Jewish, you couldn't go in past this outer courtyard. Uh, and then there was an inner courtyard beyond that where only men, Jewish men, could go. Uh, and then in beyond that, there was a place that only priests could go. So there were these levels of, of holiness. Uh, and the temple was designed to make sure people stayed in their appropriate boundaries. And one of the limits that's placed is if somebody has uh, a, uh, a, a deformity of any kind, if somebody is blind or is crippled then somebody is then they are not allowed to come into these inner courtyards but what does jesus do he goes in and he welcomes them in and he makes them acceptable he makes them clean he heals them jesus is lord even of the temple Jesus disrupts all of these activities which were serving this system of sacrifice, of, of, of uh, giving something in order to make up for our lack of worthiness before God. And Jesus comes in and he heals people and he makes them worthy. What other kind of Lord is he? He's the Lord of Jerusalem. The whole city was shaken when Jesus came into it. Did you notice that? If you remember at the beginning of Matthew, uh, when the Magi come uh, to visit this uh, newborn Jesus, they come into Jerusalem and they ask, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and we are here. And it says the entire city was terrified because they knew that Jerusalem already had a king. His name was Herod at that time. And Herod would not respond well to his power being threatened by another king. And of course, we know uh, that that story did not end well for uh, the young uh, boys to and under of Bethlehem who were slaughtered by Herod as he sought to secure his hold on the throne in Jerusalem. Well, here comes Jesus again, riding on a donkey. being being welcomed by the crowds, given a royal welcome as a coming king, a peaceful king, but a king nonetheless. He has entered into the temple and has shown himself to be Lord even of the temple. And all of Jerusalem is frightened. Now, it's especially appropriate that this happens as the Passover is coming. Do you remember what the story of Passover is about? What happens at Passover, the original Passover? Passover. The Israelites are slaves in Egypt, and uh, Moses has been confronting Pharaoh to let the Israelites go from Egypt, to let them be freed from their slavery. And finally, at the end, after all of these plagues have come, there is a final plague, which is the death of the firstborns, both human and animals. But the way that uh, the Israelites are spared by this is they observe the Passover, They uh, slaughter the Passover lamb, which they will eat. They put some of the blood on their doorposts, on the the top of the doorway and on the sides. Uh, And this way, when the plague comes through, it will know to avoid those houses that have the blood on their doorposts. And this is how Israel then is delivered from their bondage in Egypt. Now, if you're the Roman Empire and you are occupying Jerusalem, and have been for about a century at this point, and Jerusalem has a history of rebellions, it's happened again and again, and you're coming up on this annual feast of Passover when Jerusalem is full to capacity, all sorts of people are in town, and the main story of Passover is of God delivering his people Israel from their bondage to a foreign nation, you can imagine why you might be a bit sensitive about any sort of riots or uprising happening. And so when Jesus, just a few days before the Passover, rides into Jerusalem, the crowds are are hailing him as the one who comes in the name of the Lord. They're shouting, Hosanna, which means save us, it means deliver us to Jesus. You can see why Jerusalem might be trembling. Because if Jesus is Lord of Jerusalem, that means that Caesar is not. What kind of a king is this Jesus? What kind of a lord is this Jesus? He's not a conquering hero on a war horse. He is the prince of peace riding on a donkey. He's not a ruler coming to demand tribute, but rather the good shepherd who will give himself for their sake. He is not a new Moses coming to command the Romans to let my people go, though the crowds want him to be, but he is instead the Lord of life who interrupts the ministry of sacrifice in the temple to bring healing to those who are the outcasts. What kind of a Lord is this Jesus? What kind of a king is this Jesus? He is a Lord for you, finally. Because he comes into Jerusalem not just to make a point about who he is, not just in order to teach us some good lessons about what a good kind of king is. He doesn't even come necessarily to uh, deliver uh, Jerusalem from the political domination of the Romans because the Romans stick around for another generation before finally destroying Jerusalem. Rather, he comes to die. He comes to be offered up for you, for your sake, for the sake of all of us. He comes to die on that cross so that in the spilling of his blood we might have the sacrifice which gives us the forgiveness of sins. He comes to die on the cross so that by his death the power of death would be defeated and that life would reign eternally even for Gentiles such as us. In a few moments we are going to receive communion. And in the sacrament of communion, the body and blood of Christ is given to you as a promise of the forgiveness of sins. Jesus Christ's sacrifice is given to you in edible form so you can eat it and digest it and it can become a part of you so that you may know down to your belly, down to your core, that Jesus Christ has died for you and that his sacrifice is all that you need. Amen.